My name is Shapiro Wells. For the past four years, I've been trying to figure out how my 22-year-old son, Courtney, wound up with a bullet in his back outside a Chicago police station. There's what you hear on the news that Courtney got shot, then drove himself to the station where officers did everything they could to help him. And then there's the truth. Listen to somebody on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, BrainStuff listeners. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and the world is even stranger and wilder than usual right now. We here at BrainStuff hope that you and your loved ones are doing okay. Just in case you need a distraction, we're releasing a 10-episode playlist of some of our favorite fun episodes on Thursday, March 19th. Episodes that made us smile. We hope they'll make you smile, too. After that, we'll be releasing a short series of episodes on the coronavirus on our regular daily schedule, because things are less scary when you understand them better. Take care of yourself out there. Stay well and stay kind. Hello, this is Christian Bush, and welcome to Episode 2 of Geekin' Out, my new podcast. Every episode is a new person talking about what they're obsessed with that has nothing to do with their job. The only requirement is that they're totally geeking out on it and they want to talk about it. From beekeeping to craft beer, from 80s TV shows to custom printed tennis shoes, from remodeling Airstream trailers to collecting Game of Thrones bobbleheads. Tell me what you love, why you love it, how you got into it, and what makes it awesome. Every episode's presented in three chapters. Chapter one, my guest and I talk about what they're obsessed with. Chapter two is a game I call Trajan, where my guest and I turn each other on to one thing that we've discovered. And chapter three closes the show with me talking about music that I'm currently geeking out on and why. I believe that curiosity is contagious and the life is better with a soundtrack. So let's go. Chapter one. Today I visit with Mr. Brian Frazier. Brian spent most of his life in the music business, first as a musician, then as a powerful record company executive, and now as an artist manager. I recently worked with him when I produced one of his artists, Lindsay L., who you just heard. In working with Brian, I was taken by his personality, his knowledge, and his excitement about the entire world around him. Also, it should be said that Brian is very tall. (laughs) He's fit, with a full head of blonde hair, and has likely had to bend down to hug everyone in his life. So, I'm here with Brian Frazier. Hey. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. So happy to be here. The podcast is currently happening in my uh, home in Nashville. Which so, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, would you like to describe it for podcasters? Uh, sure. I, I'm on the second floor, uh, right near where the stairs come up from the entryway. And I'm looking at a wall of vinyl records. And I don't think there's one up there that came out before, uh, let's see, Adman and Ants, probably 1980. 80, thriller was what, 82, 83? He was explaining to me how whoever comes in can rotate out whatever records they want to play. They just put new ones up every time. Yeah. And I think it's just such a great fun concept and just awesome thank you it was a way for me to avoid decorating my place (laughs) so you you've heard the rules of the podcast i Uh, you you, i was briefed on the rules by whitney okay good whitney's here actually in the yeah hi we love having whitney around um we want to talk about 
what you are totally geeking out on right now that is not your job. So first of all, you might want to just say what your job is. So the, the people can understand the distance well, yeah, well, between I, your job yeah, and no, maybe yeah. what you're going to pick. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm in, currently in my third career. My first career was as a musician. My second one was as a record label guy. I was the vice president of promotion at BNA Records, which was has since become Columbia Records, Nashville, under Sony uh, Music. And I now am at Red Light Management, and I, I manage uh, Lindsay L., and I co-manage Craig Morgan, and I do radio promotion and marketing for whoever else on the Red Light roster might need it in terms of country radio. What are you geeking out on right now? Well, I'm geeking out on uh, jiu-jitsu, martial arts in general, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu currently, uh, but I have studied martial arts since I was 12 years old, and I'm 52. Uh, and uh, it's something my brother and I started when we were kids. My father got us into it. Uh, I found out later his logic, which was incredibly sound for about as much of a redneck as you can get in West Virginia. Uh, he, he told me uh, when we were older, he said, I knew if I could get you boys into uh, the martial arts that you would always take care of your body and you'd always maintain a healthy lifestyle. Uh, if I could get you into this and you would fall in love with it, which both my brother and I did fall in love with. My brother actually has a school in Columbus, Ohio, and he's a very high-ranking black belt in the Chuck Norris system and, like, literally goes to Chuck's ranch in Houston. Wait, wait, outside hold, Houston. wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> the Chuck Norris system? Yeah, it's uh, U5, United Fighting Arts Federation of America, uh, United Fighting Arts Federation. Uh, Chuck Norris's uh, system is called Chung Kuk Do, and it is based on Tang Sudo, which was a Korean martial art. And it's, a, it's, it's kind of like a, a Taekwondo. There's a lot of high kicking, a lot of you know, punching kicking, that kind of thing. And it's a, there originally was a big a point karate circuit that both my brother and I did uh, when we were younger. I, 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 I fought in tournaments all, right up until my mid-30s. I was always training for or fighting in some kind of tournament of, of some sort. Did the Chuck Norris system come before the movies, or did the movies come Well, here's the thing. A lot of people Chuck don't Norris. understand about Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is the real deal, man. I mean, he is... He so he is, was doing that and then got put into the movies because that's what he, he did? He was a, a world champion uh, competitive uh, uh, karate uh, fighter and, and a kickboxer, and he was for real all the way around. And he, Bruce Lee picked him to be in the movie, I think it's Return of the Dragon, that he's in, and they have this fight in the Coliseum. And Bruce Lee, had he had written the movie, uh, and Bruce actually handpicked Chuck to play the guy, the, the, his, his opponent. His, was he the his, bad Was Chuck the bad Chuck guy? Chuck was the bad guy in the movie. Huh. Right? So, okay. So there, there's an incredible scene, and as a musician, you will love it. This is the thing about um, martial arts for me, is especially with jiu-jitsu, it's so, so many of the principles apply directly to music and your everyday life. And it's the principles and the concepts behind the techniques that work that make them work. And if you understand the principles of why something works, you can apply it all across all areas of your life. You can apply it in music. If you understand why uh, you know this certain chord works over this harmonic structure or vice versa, then you can apply that in any key, right? Well, it's the same thing with a, with a martial arts technique. If you understand it, you understand the principle of why it works and you're practiced to a level that you can execute it, then you can you just create on the spot. It's a whole world of creation and immediacy 
that happens when you're, when you're, when you're actually in doing it, you know? So, uh, but anyway, so back to the musician part with Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee, they had, uh, at the end of Return of the Dragon, there's this, this, and I believe it's Return of the Dragon. There's, um, there's the fight scene, the final climactic fight scene between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, the characters, and they're in the Roman Colosseum. They're in the Colosseum at Rome. And you see, you can, you can see this develop. Uh, at first, Bruce, is his character, is trying to fight the Chuck Norris style fight. And the music sounds a certain way. It's very <laughs> stiff. It's very staunch. You know, it's, it's very, very, um, um, you, it's predictable. The music is predictable, right? And then, so Bruce takes a couple of shots. And then he realizes, I've got to fight my own way. You can, if you know the concepts behind it, you can see the <laughs> wheels turning in the movie. Because Bruce Lee directed this. He shot the whole thing. And when he starts realizing that he needs to fight his way, his own, and and express himself his own way, the music changes to a and then it's a real improvisational kind of like funky jazz, like that early 70s progressive jazz kind of sound. It goes, the music changes to that, and Bruce just starts, he he's stopping every punch, he's hitting it, and then you see him defeat Chuck, and he's upset that he has to kill him in the end because this was such a worthy opponent, you know. It's it's a crap, <laughs> dude. If you know, if you understand the philosophy behind this, it is incredible to understand. Okay, how this that, is great. How that that you you need to watch that movie, and even if you fast forward to the last like 10, 15 minutes uh, to the Coliseum stuff, and watch the, that scene, understanding the concepts of how it was shot, why that why they were why doing. all I mean, the and that that was at the time period in Bruce Lee's life. When he was, he had uh, he had just written uh, the kind of the philosophy, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and Jeet Kune Do was his style of martial arts that he developed. It's called it's right. a way of the intercepting fist, and based <laughs> on it. based I love on all this, they all sound like yeah, movies. That oh, dude, see. everything. I mean, there's been movies made. So, but it's um, it's the the beautiful thing about uh, Bruce's uh, art, Jeet Kune Do, was that he. He took all of the things that he found practical and worked from all the different fighting systems. He took a boxing stance, where you put your hands in boxing stance. He took that from boxing. He took Filipino uh, Kali, which is escrima, stick fighting and knife fighting, and he applied that to empty hands so that you had trapping and, lo and log joint locks that he brought from jujitsu. And he studied with all the masters of these different things. He studied with Wally J, who was, uh, when I first started taking jujitsu, uh, it was small circle jiu-jitsu, which is what Wally J is was famous for. And that's small, small, small circle? circle means uh, um, uh, using the smaller joint locks, like finger joint locks, um, um, you know, wrist locks. Being able to, if you can, if I'm going to lock out a finger, then I would. I'm, I'm trying to describe it so people can understand yeah, yeah, yeah. my podcast. But no, if you're I have it, if grabbing I have, your hand, if right I grab my hand and I push. I push on the top and I pull under the bottom and I create a small circle here, then I get right into the joint of it and it causes pain, causes extreme pain, but it doesn't break it. It doesn't hurt me. It just hurts me for a while so I can control the person, right? So let me have your hand. Just so you, and we're going to take two fingers, okay. right? So you just, you can feel I, it. So you can feel it. I just this. filled out my insurance today. Okay. okay. You see, you feel that? Yeah. Yeah. You see the push and yeah. here's the pull. So I'm here. Oh yeah. And oh, I just, yeah, I'll do whatever and you, you can need feel, you feel the, <laughs> you feel the pain, but it, now you're fine. You're okay. Right, right, right. You're not hurting. But you could move my body around. I can make you do what I want you to do. How, how many people that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis even have any idea that this is what you do? None, really. I don't really. I have never talked about it. 
This is the first time I've ever talked about it in any kind of forum bigger than one or two people. Uh, before we, we, we sat down today, mm-hmm. I, I did the, the, the least amount of research I could because mm-hmm. I wanted you to teach me. <laughs> and, As well you should. And, and, That's the and, way to go. And, well, it's, it's, it's because I want to be just like my listeners, which are, you know, turn me on to it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did is I, and the only thing I did was pull it up on Wikipedia. And mm-hmm. jujitsu. Uh, am, am I saying it correctly? Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, it, it, that and, is, and it seems like that's a, it's a family tree. Yes, it's, it's a, a tree, huge, The branches family. come off and the leaves come off the branches. And that's, stuff. Right. that's right. So jujitsu is originally about uh, combat mm-hmm. against someone who is in armor mm-hmm. and uh, may or may not have a weapon. Mm-hmm. And the person who is performing jujitsu does not. Yes, you, it's close hand combat mm-hmm. for people who are armored. Yes, from someone who is not armored. Yeah, is, it based, is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's that is correct. It's uh, true combat jujitsu. Now, my first uh, black belt in jujitsu is in combat jujitsu. I'm a fourth degree black belt in combat jujitsu. I'm a fourth degree black belt in Ishinri karate, and I'm currently a purple belt in Brazilian jujitsu. Combat jujitsu. Is really is a kind of a Japanese style jujitsu, and it was uh, based off of uh, actually goes all the way to India. There are wrestling styles in India two twenty five hundred three thousand years ago that migrated into China, and then migrated down into Japan. And uh, the samurais developed jujitsu as you would know it, as you read about it. They developed it because of the armor. So if you are striking somebody and you're hitting armor, you're hitting a face mask, you're going to hurt yourself too. You can't strike against this armor. But the things that you can control are the joints, the joints of the wrist, the joints of the elbow, shoulder, the knees, the ankles, the hips. There's all kinds of different, where the body is flexible. Um, So if somebody has on a suit of armor and they're wielding a sword or a bow and arrow or whatever, they still have to have the mechanics to bend their arms and swing them and all that stuff. So the joints are free. So that's why they developed this system of joint manipulation. To that's that's when I say lock, I mean I'm locking your wrist out in a certain way that it causes you pain, and it it either it, it overextends the tendons or it it's the uh, the cartilage and stuff separates it in the joint. It, it turns the your elbow or your wrist away that it's not supposed to go, and it causes the pain. Now you can break that. If you move very fast, I can decide I want to go really fast, hit that really quick, and break it, pop it, because of the force of the momentum and the angles on the wrist. Or I can choose to hold that right at that point where it hurts really, really bad, and you will stop doing it. You know, I can kind of control what you do. (laughs) I love this because you're one of the kindest men I know, and I just had no idea. Oh, I I mean, yeah. uh, what did it feel like to grow up knowing how to fight and really never having? Have you have you had to fight outside the? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Outside yeah. The, I mean, the, it never was much competition. Fight, honestly. But I mean, here's the thing, man. After fighting so many tournaments in my early 30s and stuff, when I was competing against trained people, and then you know, just you know, little altercations and shit that happens when you're you know in your mid 20s and you're drunk in a bar and somebody doesn't something ugly to a friend of yours. Um, those, after you've done a few of those, you realize that you're, you just feel like, man, you just feel like a freaking panther walking among gazelles. <laughs> you're just allowing it to happen. Just let it, just, just letting just the let, bad behavior, just, just, let just it, letting it go. Be cool, man. So, but the, but what it does and is it makes me, 
uh, I don't get freaked out and I, and, and I don't it hel- it's helped me in business so much because I, I can stay calm I, I'm not I don't it doesn't I don't get too worked up over anything you know in in pressure situations because you're always in pressure situations um, and it's beautiful in and when you're training like if, I, I, if I'm stressed about something and I go to work out and I'm rolling with a guy that is probably going to put me to sleep or is, is like really, you know, these guys are so much better than me these days and they're young, they're 20 years younger. And if I'm not focused on what's happening in the moment, then I don't, this is not going to, nothing's going to last very long. They're going to kill me. Right. So I have to, I have to pay attention. Well, what it does is it forces me to let go of everything else that's bothering me. So I spend an hour, hour and a half, training hard, working on technique, sparring. And, and the beautiful thing about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, one of the reasons that it makes you so effective is that you can train at almost full speed all the time and not get hurt because it's wrestling, it's, it's grappling, it's your, 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 your body positioning. You're, you're trying to work three and four moves ahead to get this guy to give you something you know you want three, four moves ahead. It's like chess, man. It's like, it's like human chess, you know? So it's so intellectual and it's so physical at the same time. I, I've never found anything that is its equal in terms of being intellectual and physical at the same time with such intensity. So when you're done and you're just wasted and you just, you're, you're sitting there and your ass feels about like 30 pounds of chewed bubble gum and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh my God, uh, uh, and you're kind of shaking because you've worked so hard, you're just completely relaxed. And I just, I really believe that people need, they need things that are hard in their life. There need things that don't that they have to struggle to achieve, in order to really, to really know what that is and what how it can relate to other parts. It'll make them better in every part of their life. I mean, man, you know, I, I've been struggling to learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. On top of, I mean, I've studied martial arts for years, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a freaking mystery to me. Still, it's just baffling to me, and I've been doing it now for eight, almost nine years. And, it, and at this age, you know, and, and it's one of those things that my body has to learn it. I have, my sensitivity has to be developed to feel this move here and to think three moves ahead and to, to be able to do that. And it, that requires time on the mat. And, I, you know, if I don't get the time on the mat, then I, ha- I fall back and I have to start over, kind of have to rebuild again. But it, it's, it's that struggle of learning it that is so fulfilling because then when you start, you start seeing results, it's like, man, you know, I, I did that because in, especially in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it either works or it doesn't, and nobody gives you anything. You are either respected on the mat because you work hard and you try hard. You don't need to win, but you need to work hard and you need to try hard. And if you, um, if you are, are putting in the time and you're working hard, everybody there will support you and, be, and have your back at every turn no matter what, because they know you're trying. You know, if you don't try, you don't stick around long. It's a really pure, true thing that you cannot... Um, can't argue your way you out of You can't argue your way There's out no of fake news. You can't it. say, I would have done this or I would have done that. It's all bullshit and everybody knows it too. Yeah. It's either you either can do it or you can't. And if you can't do it, then you need to be working towards the ability to do it the right way or to, to find the truth in what you're doing. And I think that that has so much to do with life that it that's what i love about it it's just a beautiful thing to to have i mean there's so few things in this world that we can count on that are absolutely true like i know black and white 
truth when that stuff works and when it doesn't. My name is Shapiro Wells. This is the story of my son, Courtney. You know, my name is Courtney Copeland. 2015 is the biggest year of my life. He was a, a ladies' man, even with his auntie and his grandmother. I'm Chance the Rapper. Courtney Copeland was a good friend of mine. In 2016, he wound up with a bullet in his back outside a Chicago police station. 2510 Robert. This guy played down in Grand Central. A gentleman just said he was shot. And it's the story of my search for the truth. We want justice! We want this is Somebody, a co-production of the Invisible Institute, The Intercept, and Topic Studios in association with Tenderfoot TV. Coming March 31st, wherever you get your podcast. This is somebody's child. Somebody deserves to know what happened. I deserve to know what happened to my son. Listen to Somebody on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 2. In every episode of Geekin' Out, I see if I can trade one thing I've discovered with one thing that my guest has discovered. A friendly exchange. I call it trade I'm going to trade you one thing that I've discovered. It just so happens I discovered it this past week. Um, I came across pillows that are cold. Oh, yeah. Dude, Stay they're, cold no, pillows. I've, have you... I have been dreaming Let of me this. tell you something, dude. I For like three years ago, I went to a showcase during CRS that Big Machine put on, and the parting gift was this giant stay-cold like pillow, but memory foam, but it's cold on one side pillow. Yeah. To this day, I fight my wife over that picture. Okay. I, that's my pillow. So it's I've, my I've pillow. got something for you. They have the technology has gone one step further. So it's no longer the the gel pillow or the uh, the stay foam, the NASA. Yeah, yeah. Pillow. Um, it's now, uh, here's this one. Here, I'm going to show you a picture of it. It's called the Hydrolux Air, and it is a straight-up wow. feather pillow, right? Mm-hmm. And it stays cold. And I don't know how it does it, but it has to do with pressure. But it pressure. really works. It really like, works. It really works. Like, the, uh, you put your head on it, and I... Do you have to do anything to prep it first? No, I just, nothing. It's just a pillow. It's, no, I'm like in my mind, you you know, like remember how we used to have to put the rice things in the microwave yeah, and yeah, that would heat whatever, them up? Yeah. Or or maybe the cold packs when you hurt yourself while you're yeah. jujitsuing, <laughs> right? Is that because it's a verb? Yeah. And um, you would crack it and put it on your shoulder. This stuff, you literally lay on it and it gets cold. It is so important to me now that I'm thinking of replacing more than just one You've pillow. You've got to send me a link to that so yeah. I, can, I can get one of those. Uh, it, That's amazing. Hydrolux Air is what it is. It's the one I tried. Air. This sounds silly. No, there's no such thing as well, silly. Well, it may... I don't know. I, do you ever spend any time on Pinterest? You know what? Um, I freaking, When Pinterest first started, I, I tried Pinterest. and... You do. I do. I love it. I swear to God, I love Pinterest. There's so much cool guy stuff on there. There's like great motorcycles and just, and I will go down the rabbit hole. If I'm really just kind of want to veg out and I just want to kind of just, I just want to kind of do dumb stuff, you know? What are your searches? Like, um, I mean, I would tell I, you what mine is. But here's the thing. It's weird because thing. it's an intuitive website it, and, it, and I know Pinterest is a thing that people know about it. I don't know. But for me... I've only in the last month or two become just enamored with it, but it's a uh, you it after you've searched so many different things, it picks stuff for you and it just feeds you the things that you th- it thinks that you will like, and, and it's it usually, usually right? so right 
It is so right with me. I'm like, and then I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, if somebody saw my Pinterest page, what kind of person would they think I am? Because there's just all kinds, there's like survival gear on there, there's Jeep stuff, there's motorcycles or tattoos. I know. That's, that's the one thing I do. I actually I, look for tattoos. Because I've started working on this tattoo I've got going on here, this sleeve. I have three lions on my arm and it's uh, my, myself, my wife, and my son. And it's just about the connection between the three of us. And mm-hmm. then there, it's the religious thing with the, the, the Trinity. And the, it, it Did this come from Pinterest? Did, uh, no, but I got the idea of putting the red overlay on the black from Pinterest. I found it. It's called, uh, it's called uh, uh, Trash Polka Art Style. It was started in Germany. And if you look that up on Pinterest, there are the coolest tattoos. <laughs> Trash. Trash Polka. polka. T-R-A-S-H. I love P-O-L-K-A. it. P-O-L-K-A. Trash Polka. And you look that up on Pinterest, and there's just the coolest stuff. I accept your trade because I'm. I, that's what I use Pinterest for is to look for tattoos. Well, look up Trash Polka, and you will see some of the coolest freaking tattoos you've ever seen in your life. Well, thank you for being here, man. Yeah, I, thank I, you for I, I love me. hearing about your life, and I now know a lot more about jujitsu, and I will keep you near me in a bar. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Chapter 3, The Clavinet. Because Brian Fraser was our guest today, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about a track from his artist, Lindsay L's album that I love. I produced Lindsay's album, The Project, and I actually have the individual tracks here to her song, Mint. And I'd like to use them to tell you about one of my favorite instruments, the clavinet. What is it? Well, it's a keyboard. It's a vintage keyboard that makes a unique sound. You probably know what it is because you've heard it play in your whole life at the beginning of Stevie Wonder's Superstition. The clavinet, or clav, while it looks and plays like a keyboard with white and black keys, the sound that comes from it is actually exactly like an electric guitar. That's because it actually has guitar strings in it, And it gets plucked, and every time the keystroke comes down, there's a pickup there, just like an electric guitar, so it can distort and feed back and do all the amazing tricks that a guitar player does. Why, you ask, would you put a clavinet, or in this case, many clavinets, on a song where the artist is such an amazing guitar player? Well, the answer is, because it sounds so cool. Also, because it might make you dance. Here, let me pull up the tracks. Let's listen. The idea was, it was so groovy that we just had to have Brandon play clavinet kind of in the Stevie Wonder style. There it is in your left ear. And then that's a guitar in your right ear. And there's Lindsay in the middle playing lead. And then the whole band comes in. See how they all bounce off each other and make you kind of dance. <laughs> and there, you see why we use a clavinet. Go out and pick up Lindsay L's album, The Project. Download it, stream it, buy it, give it to your friends. It makes great gifts. Also, thank me later because this lady is incredible. Well, man, like a
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Geeking Out, and we are already hard at work on the next one. Are you obsessed with something amazing? Want to tell us about it? Write to us at geekingoutwithkb at gmail.com and you might be a guest on an upcoming episode. Come find out more about me and this podcast at christianbush.com. Christian with a K, people. Follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Christian Bush on Instagram, Christian Bush on Facebook, and Christian M. Bush on Snapchat. Thanks to Bobby Bones for the opportunity to make this podcast, Brandon Bush for making the soundtrack and assembling the pieces, Tom Tapley for audio wizardry, and Whitney Pastrick for being a great producer and making this whole thing possible. This is Christian Bush, geeking out. Thank you for listening. I'm Zach Graff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Any guesses how a delicious peach dessert is related to a deadly epidemic? Or what role pigeon poop played in one of astronomy's biggest discoveries? No way. Yes way. Did you know that x-rays were used as entertainment at kids' birthday parties? Or that you've got botanical espionage to thank for your gin and tonic? Ha! Oh, and the treatment for malaria. Oh, casual. I'm Greg. I'm Marin. And for our new podcast, Surprisingly Brilliant, we've been collecting some of the most shocking, inspiring, and downright bizarre stories from science history. From medical misadventures to history's missing geniuses. You'll find it in Surprisingly Brilliant from Seeker. So come listen to Surprisingly Brilliant on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.